Hear the word of God from James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 981 in the Pew Bible. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, Have a seat here, please, while to the other one who is poor you say, Stand there, or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was evoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the laws as transgressors. For whoever keeps the holy law, whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For the one who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but if you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. So this week, I was reading an article that said 28% of America's population consists of baby boomers. That means they're 54 years of age or older. And of that, 51% are women. So that means one-eighth of America's population is either perimenopausal or moving through it. <laughs> and as I have learned, if you have ever had a hot flash in the middle of a business meeting or been reduced to tears in the grocery store at the sight of wilting broccoli, well then you become painfully aware that life's transitions will humble you. Yes, you know, menopause is that season that takes us from one stage of life to another, and there's little we can do about it. You either just um, are painfully walking your way through it, or you submit to it and just go along for the ride. And you know, the truth is, men, 
Men have their own experience of this season of transition in this age group as well. And so whether there is gray hair or no hair, we soon become aware of all new kinds of judgments that get made. That gray hair, it seems to make you a bit less relevant. And well, those hot flashes, well, she might just be a little unstable, right? Well, for women, that's a whole different story. But the fact is we judge. We judge the old and the young, we judge the small and the weak and the poor, and we judge based on outward appearances. We do it all the time, really. I think we don't even recognize oftentimes when we do it. But today we find ourselves in the second week of the book of James and this story. You know, this letter from James, it's a wonderful letter that's written to the early church that's looking to see how they might live out their faith and their life of Christ together. In this letter, he confronts the real challenges of real life, and he gets real with the people. Our author never gives up, never gives up on calling people to live out of that Christ-like character, and never gives up on calling them into service for someone and something greater than themselves. And in this letter, like life, it can humble us. And as we talked about last week, it can be like that mirror that reflects our weaknesses, but also our great beauty. So let's get started with this uh, passage that we heard read today from chapter 2. And like we did last Sunday, you've got your fill-in-the-blanks, like Nikki said. And kids, if you've got your kid packets, you even have a special fill-in-the-blank passage, too, so you can take a look and follow along as we go. But I have this question I want to ask you. And kids, this is the part where you can participate and shout out, and parents, you can too. But here's my question that I have for all of us. What are some of the ways in which we judge people based on their outward appearances? What are some of the ways? I mentioned one. Gray hair, what was it? The car you drive, good, yeah. Clean or dirty? What they wear. Age. Yeah. I bet if we sit here and we think about it, many different things will come to mind. Well, that's what's happening in this text today. They're judging based on outward appearances. I mean, look at what it says. My brothers and sisters, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For a pers- if a person with gold rings comes in with fine clothes to your assembly... And then if a poor person comes in with dirty clothes, and then you take notice of the one with those gold rings, but to the poor, well, you push them aside and you say, sit at my feet. Listen to what James says. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Ouch. Right? I mean, people are treating others differently based on how they look, based on their social status. They're treating one group of people better than another. And the thing is, it's nothing's wrong with being rich, and there's nothing wrong with being poor. The issue here in this text is about how they're treating these differences. They're favoring based on their outward appearance. 
and there is your first fill-in. We favor based on outward appearances. A couple of weeks ago, my sister and I were going through some of my grandparents' stuff that we found in the closet. And as we did, we were remembering a story that he told us. You see, in 1910, when my grandfather was five years old, he and my grandmother and my aunt came in the belly of a boat from Italy to Ellis Island. My great-grandfather was here with his brothers. They had gotten passage for them to come over and meet them here. And once they got settled and my grandfather started school, an interesting thing happened. You see, in 1910, the name Diego Casanzio, it carried a lot of baggage with it. First, it defined him as an immigrant. Second, he was Italian. And at that time, Italians were considered some of the lower class folks of society. And the story goes on to say that when he started the first grade, the teachers wouldn't call him by his first name. They gave him a different name. They called him Jimmy. That was his first name. He said it happened every year and he couldn't remember what the next two were. But by the time he got to the fourth grade, when they asked what his name was, he said, my name is Charles. Because that was the name they used before. And he said it was just easier. It was easier to pick the name that they wanted because it kept the focus off those outer judgments that would get made. Because there were some of those outer judgments that weren't so nice and some names that weren't so kind. You know, later as an adult, when he finally became a citizen and married my grandmother, he actually changed his name to Charles, legally. Matter of fact, that was the only name I really ever knew him by until I was an adult and he chose to tell my sister and I that story. You know, when any person or a group is regarded as less than to those who consider themselves superior, marginalization occurs. Joyce Rupp in her book Boundless Compassion wrote, for as long as we believe some to be more special or beautiful, capable, intellectual, or successful based on possessions, well then, outer appearances will keep marginalization unabated. It really is the struggle of our time, isn't it? I mean, we love to give our opinions, we um, critique and judge everything and everyone, including ourselves. And we can get so caught up in it that we don't even recognize that we're doing it. And we don't even recognize the way in which it diminishes the light that's in another. And it actually diminishes the light that lives in us. But here's the thing. I don't think that we want to be that person. The person we heard in the scriptures, you know, the one that panders to the popular and pushes away the powerless. But the truth is, when we marginalize others, it's not really about them. It's about us. Our judgments are about our own fears, our own insecurities. They are about our own greed and our own pride and our own ignorance. In this passage, it invites us to be aware of when we do it. And to stop and look at what's going on inside of us. It's interesting because in chapter 4, James says something very um 
interesting about this to the group of people. Listen to what he says in verse four, uh, verse one in chapter four. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings and the war that's within you? We all have our own flaws. We all have our own failures. And God loves us. And God knows us. And God has the power to change and transform any war that's going on inside of you and inside of me. Because God doesn't look at our outward appearances. God looks at our hearts and is there ready to work with and change them. People might look at our appearances, but as your next fill-in goes, God looks at our hearts. In 1 Samuel, when people are looking for a new king, we find David, this scrawny shepherd boy, ends up getting chosen. And the scripture says this, people look at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You see, God can see the light that lives within you. God can see that light to spark any darkness. And I believe that God can free us to live out of our light and not out of our judgment. This week, as we were playing with this text, McGray stumbled on something really interesting about the word favoritism in that first verse we heard read. It says, my brothers and sisters, do your acts of favoritism really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, that Greek word translated translates in almost all of the English translations as the word favoritism. Uh, the King James Version does says it's being a respecter of persons. But that word that's translated there, it's a very rare word. As a matter of fact, it occurs only four times in the New Testament. And it's the root word for the word face. Its meaning is derived from an ancient Near Eastern ritual where two people greet each other. You see, in the Greco-Roman world, when two people greet each other and they walk up to each other, they bow their heads. We even see that in cultures today, that type of greeting, bowing their heads one to the other. Well, when there's a power difference between the two individuals, well, one is signed with a status of prestige and the other is inferior, the inferior person is to bow their head to the inferior. We see it. Master and slave, adult and child, rich and poor. And so when James uses this word, he's disrupting that power difference that's based on outward appearance. He's saying that rather than expecting someone to bow to you, instead, we are to lift the face of another equal to equal, eye to eye, so that we might look in them and find the same Jesus that lives in us. I wonder, what would it look like if we lived like that? That's your next fill-in. Instead of showing favoritism, lift the face of another and find Jesus and them. What would it look like if we chose to let God change our hearts and become more aware of our judgments? What would it look like if we lifted the face of another and really looked to see Jesus in them? 
Well, James tells us what it looks like. It looks like this. You will love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you do really well. You will, you do well if you really fulfill the law according to scriptures. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I've heard it time and again from our friends who live on the streets. The difference it makes when someone looks into their eyes and really sees them. Regardless of whether they receive anything or not from another, they said, when someone stops and really looks at me, I feel human. Someone seeing me is me. I always think of that when I run into another, to look for Christ in them. It really encourages me. This week, as we were preparing for the message, I found this story, and Kristen Pathet and I, the children's director, thought it was a great example of the way a group of kids chose to lift the face of another and see God in them. Take a look. An inspiring story out of Kenosha. A student being bullied at a junior high school basketball game caught the attention of the basketball players. And those players walked off the court to defend her. Michelle Fiore reports from Kenosha. Well, this is where it all happened for Desiree Andrews. As she was being bullied from these stands, a couple of boys on the basketball team said, enough's enough. And that's where this bullying situation turned her life around. Desiree Andrews no longer walks to class alone. Students have been drawn to her after a situation that could have taken away this pretty smile. The kids in the audience were picking on D, so we all stepped forward. Andrews has Down syndrome. These three boys were in the middle of a game when they heard something upsetting directed at one of their cheerleaders, a girl who dances to her own beat. So when I heard that, they're talking about her like it kind of like made me mad basketball players stepped to action walked off the court and asked the bully to stop it's not fair when other people get treated wrong because we're all the same we're all created the same god made us the same way d and the boys are now eighth graders and last night played their last game in the gymnasium that they have affectionately dedicated to their friend are they calling it something special yeah what is it d's house d's house yeah how does that make you feel Good. The athletic director tells us the name has stuck. He's planning to make a banner officially calling the gym D's house. What did your family think? I think they're sweet, kind, and awesome, and amazing. Sweet, awesome, kind, and amazing? Yeah. Desiree's next steps, high school. As for her future, she says she wants to be famous. We think she's already famous. In Kenosha, Michelle Fiore, today's TMJ4. She's pretty famous already. It's these house. She is. I loved how those young men stepped up. Hey, great job. So here these students stepped up to see the image of God and one of their fellow cheerleaders to lift a face. So I wonder how might you apply this text for yourself this week? Perhaps you'll pay attention to the ways in which you judge others by their outer appearances. Maybe you'll ask God to deal with what's going on inside of your heart. Or maybe you'll look into the face of another, someone you often ignore, and see how you might lift their face to see the face of Jesus in them. 
I want to invite you during our offering time to reflect on that. You can actually write it down in your handout. What might that look like for you this week? The passage that we heard read earlier summarizes it quite well when it says, Mercy triumphs over judgment. I love how Bishop Greg Palmer put it. He says, if my sense of self-worth comes at the expense of your self-worth, then I'm doing it wrong. None of us is perfect. We're not perfect in mind or body or spirit. And none of us conforms to an ideal of how every human ought to be. I mean, who decides this ideal human? Loving others is hard to do. And living with our own flaws and differences, it can be hard to do too. But alongside of others and centered in the love of Christ, we can find ways to both receive mercy for ourselves and offer mercy back to others. Mercy really can triumph judgment, can't it? May we each find ways to share mercy with others. And may we find ways to love others just as God loves us. Let us pray. O compassionate Lord, Help us to keep an open heart towards each other, toward each person, no matter how different they may appear to be. Increase in us our desire to welcome each one with compassion, to lift the face of another, and to look for your face in them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Amen.